comes up and, and it's, what do I do about them? Yeah? Now, at that point, he sees all these gnats like thoughts, yes? But that statement, what do I do about it, is also a gnat. Yeah? It's also in, in that swarm of gnats. But the way it's... Hmm? A gnat's like a little bug, a little fly. Yeah? Yeah. And a swarm would be a lot of them. So there's these thoughts. And so the, what that statement insinuated was there was a someone there that wants to do something about those gnats over there. Yeah? So, see, and that's, that's, that's the dilemma, really. So here, let's say what happens here in life is you learn more and more about what you're not. Literally. And when you learn more and more about what you're not, the, the lens of seeing enlarges. Yeah? So here you are, you're thinking, like that time I heard this lady share, and I, I was under the assumption that I was seeing a lot of states of mind, state of minds arise. Right? I was. But I didn't realize that was a state of mind also. The I that thought it was seeing the states of mind. When that occurred, the lens that or the scene was sort of like the, the, the casing of the lens, which is the scene. The scene was encased with a lens, yes, of understanding, and that understanding was small in a way. Yeah. I was I was seeing, but the sense of who was seeing it was really still, let's say, out to lunch, yes? So what occurred is I, this lady was sharing, and in her sharing, something occurred where the lens opened up, and I realized that was a state of mind seeing another state of mind. Yeah? It wasn't me seeing the state of mind. So, it wasn't me that wants to know what to do about the gnats. That me that wants to know what to do about the gnats is a gnat, in a way. Yeah? And so, here you are like this, you're seeing only the gnats, and there's a sense of you as the seer of the gnats. And then in you, right, that sense of being a you triggers a thought, which is, what do I do about these gnats? Yeah? But the sense is, the thought is you talking about those gnats. Yeah? See the separation immediately? So now, no matter if you went over every bug and learned every little wingspan and the size of it and what kind of shit it wants to land on and where what, what it was last landing on before you saw it, and all that self-knowledge isn't going to avail you nothing because the delusion is in place because you feel there's a you seeing the gnats. Yeah? So when you question that, then the lens opens up and what, if, what it feels like is you sense a presence, you know, you're awake a little bit, yeah? There's a little more space that is being uh, noted instead of this little space of tunnel self-centeredness, yeah? It's the identification, see, when that man said, I saw the gnats, yeah? There was no identification with them other than I'm the seer of the gnats. That was the, the identification, yeah? The gnats were seen it wasn't like, I'm a gnat, yeah? It's like, we, this lady just did a thing, uh, whatever. But let's say, uh, I was talking about obsession. Yeah? And obsession, 
all of us have had experiences of being obsessed, seemingly here, yeah? Or we've had, we've had an experience of obsession. Let's say it's over the way we look, or food, or a man, or a woman, or drugs, or alcohol. Yes? This, and, and I would say some of us probably have pretty good examples of an extreme obsession. Like, for me, it was cocaine. I was extremely obsessed with cocaine. I mean, I love cocaine. Yeah? But no matter how much I loved cocaine and thought about it and did it and tried to do it more, and didn't matter what the consequences were, I never actually became cocaine. Yeah? I never thought I was cocaine. Yeah? No matter how much I loved it, no matter how much I, I held it with more value than I held the body, but no matter how much, I never became coke. You know what I mean? I never started having a South American accent. <laughs> like I was from Peru or anything. None of that happened, yes? And I, but I would say, if that's an extreme mental state, is an obsessive state. It's, I've never had a, a, bit, a, more, a stronger experience than that with obsession, yes? But I'm saying... What's already in place right now, and where some of us are more aware of it, let's say, but there's an unawareness of it, is an identification with an object, which is just like Coke is. Coke is an object, a powder, yes? I was obsessed over that. We're identified with an object. This, way past the idea of being obsessed with it. I mean, way, 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 thousands of degrees more amplified than any obsession. You actually take yourself to be what you're obsessed over. <laughs> I mean, that's... I mean, I really love Coke, but I never crossed that line. We start here, in a sense, crossed, already crossed over that line. We, as soon as... Because the proof against it has been forgotten. I don't remember what it was like to be a baby because there was no sense of being a Paul. And only from that point on where I became a Paul... Paul and this body were synonymous. So the original obsession has been in place the whole time. Yeah, and no matter how much I obsessed over Coke, there was more obsession over who was obsessing over the Coke. Don't you see? Yeah. The more I obsessed over the cocaine, I was much more obsessed with who wanted the Coke than with the Coke. Yeah. And if that's just an example of it, and it does, it's just an expression of a deeper identification as, that's way, way, way out there. Yeah? I mean, the oomph of that, where you can have tons of obsessions. Some of us have been obsessed over alcohol, drugs, sex, money, gambling. I mean, we've gone through more than a couple of trifectors. In this, my life, I've had the experience of being addicted to alcohol, drugs, and then in my 11th year sobriety, I experienced sexual addiction. Well, let's just go with this. So, so here we are. So there's, let's say, three huge examples of obsession in my life. But what thinks it has, has what thought it had the obsession is the biggest one of all. Yeah? Obsessed over the idea of being Paul. A separate, long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And way past any obsession with drugs or a woman or alcohol. Way, way, way past. There's no woman or man that you've ever met in your life that you have, you have thought as much as one-twentieth the amount that you've thought about yourself. <laughs> no one. I don't care if you thought they were the end-all and be-all. 
What, could, what did I do without her before and I'll never be able to live without You have put... <laughs> you have done more novenas, more devotional prayers to the idea of being you than any master, saint, goddess, mother, father, anything here. The thoughts have been... You can't, you have to see the mind, if it gives meaning to things, the biggest meaning it can give anything is being it. Yeah? And it has given that meaning not to awareness, not to consciousness, not to God, but to this. This is me. And in this world, in this appearance, me is the God of all gods. This is what most lives are centered on. Not, they're not God-centered on Krishna or Jesus or Buddha. They're centered on you thinking about Krishna and Buddha and Jesus, which makes you so much past Buddha, Jesus, and Krishna. If you're the one that's starting to know Jesus, you're bigger than Jesus will ever be in your life. Yeah? And if that you isn't you, geez, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. <laughs> You're gonna have, you're gonna get so zen bislap, you won't believe it, when you see the masters and all the devoted to all these other great beings or the way your mind bonded you into the idea of being a self. You'll, it'll blow, first of all, there's no you anyway, but the mind, the self mind will blow up when it realizes what's happening. That every movement towards is a movement away, every devotion to, is who's being devoted? It's all always reflecting this, yes? Always, always, all day. It's just every, I don't care how far you can cast the line, yes? Whatever fish you come in contact will be related to you. You. Thousands of fishes, but only you are the one catcher. Thousands of thoughts, but you're the only thinker, yes? Millions of feelings, but you're the only one who felt them. Give me a break. You want to talk about obsession? <laughs> everything, everything is coming through every gate. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And even the seeing we've claimed. It's not even what we've seen. We, we believe we're the seer. I mean, the arrogance of this mental state is that there is the divine, if you want to call it, the divine act of being demonstrate every second, and this thing is claimed it as I'm the seer, I'm the hearer, I'm the feeler, I'm the taster, I'm the toucher. Yeah. And then on the sacred ground, it built courts for you to get convicted in all fucking day. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So, I was, this idea of I'm obsessing over something that's come up in my life. No. It's the obsessor is where the freedom is, not on, I've got to stop obsessing. Who says that? That's, that is the never-ending mental verb of real obsession, which is identification as an entity, as a body, yes? In total forgetfulness of your own nature, which is empty like open sky, which is clear, which is reflective, all oh, that's forgotten, totally forgotten. And I take, I take this to be me, and I take that to be you. And let's get on with it. So then a woman shared, again at the meeting, which was really beautiful. She had one of those beautiful epiphanies. 
And then there was, and so this was just my take on it. I could be totally erroneous, but it was, it triggered again a sense of what, hey, man, this is like good material I can share with this. Because this is exactly what I've been saying. So there's the epiphany. Now, quote unquote, a couple of days or whatever over. Now it's like the selfing is walking around it and made it into an object, the epiphany. And then checking out how can I have it again, touching it, you know, fortifying some weak points of the story, you know, amplifying other points that make her seem maybe better, and this and that. And it was like this space becomes an object to you as the subject, the space of absence of self, the epiphany, the, the, the unadorned space of mind becomes an object to you. You have the epiphany. You've had the spiritual experience. And then it's like, bring out the rulers, bring out the measuring sticks. Let's see, how does this stand up to, let's see, Mother Mirror or someone, you know, some person who you want to compare. Oh, well, ooh, I got a long way to go, but it's a good beginning. To who? So, I don't know, for me, it's like, after maybe I don't know how many times, there was this subtle assumption, I, hadn't, I didn't see it yet, but there was a subtle assumption that, oh, the real thing is seeing the real no thing, yeah? or the, the unreal thing. Yeah? And then life would just sort of give me an aha, and what I was thinking would be like I'm standing on the, the rim of the content, with most of myself in the context, I found that just to be another appearance in the content. And maybe eight or nine times it happened, and I realized, geez, I had this feeling, vague feeling, that I was, you know, someone, a, a no one someone, and then it was shown, and after about seven or eight of them, I realized there was a principle involved that there's never going to be an authentic Paul. There's never going to be a Paul who has this experience. There's never going to be a Paul that's realized this. It doesn't work that way. The realization is there's no Paul. Not like there was a Paul, now there isn't. No, there was, there's never been a Paul. It's just a movement of mind called selfing. Yeah. The mental process is producing it. And it, gets, and it produces a feeling, a vague feeling, and it produces ownership. This is my life, and I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling. It claims everything it comes in contact with as the one who's in contact with it. And yet, it's always, it's always preceded by consciousness, by conscious contact. And yet, that doesn't stop it from spinning this huge story, and most people are living as if that's so. Even if there's a sense of being a person, that's the living as if that's so. And yet we worry about all this other stuff. <laughs> it's nice to just maybe look at what's happening. Yeah. So for me, after about eight or nine of them, there, there just became obvious there is never going to be an authentic self. There's never going to be one who got it. Yeah? If you're waiting to get it, that's part of that selfing, selfing, selfing. That's the act of selfing. The act of selfing is having what you are a product of time. That you are going to get it in time if you just wait long enough or purify yourself or do this or do that as if something that's timeless could come here in time. Yeah? 
It's timeless. It doesn't play by those rules. It's spaceless. It's not located anywhere where you're not, so that you have to take time to get to. It's not that so. It's already available at all times. There's anything you can do is just tell the truth about what's, what you're not. See what arises, because whatever arising is taking form is the formless. So if you tell the truth about the form, it will lead you back to its formlessness. Yes? You will see it's, there is not an inherent real existence in anything here. It doesn't mean it's worthless or valuable. That's all selfing again. It's just a recognition... When you look at form and tell the truth of it, like Huang Po, the Zen master said, whatever can be perceived cannot perceive. Yes? So this cannot perceive. What's perceiving isn't this. This eye is not seeing. This ear is not hearing. There is no thing hearing seeing. Yes? I can't gauge it. I can't capture it. I can't quantify it. It's no thing. So, whatever arises, whatever I can see, feel, taste, and touch, whatever I can hear, a thought, or see an image in my head, I am not that. Yeah? That's the only backdoor way to get to what you are here, is to realize what you're not. Yeah? It's in the realization of what I'm not, is the activity of being, in a sense, what I am. Yeah? Which is seeing. So the more that is seen, when the lens opens, and there's more of what you, what you were thinking to be real thrown into the context, you know, the content of the soup bowl, that's, in a, that's what happens is then the real presence cooks, yes? More and more content, and then you're that, the sense of presence is, comes with the availability of space, yeah? It's like when you walk into a cave or something, the silence is deafening, isn't it? Have you ever gone to a place where not much has been said for hundreds of years or whatever? It's so freaking loud, yeah? Space has a huge presence in it. But what we do is fill it up with concepts and ideas so that we can live in ignorance of it, to ignore that, because in that ignoring of that, we can seem to be real. When this is confronted by that, this is seen not to be so. But if this doesn't get confronted by that, it can seem to be so. That's why mind loves to live in what's not happening. This, it's never going to be confronted by the truth in what's not happening. It's all, from point zero to the point one hundred, it's all mind in what's not happening. Yeah? There's no God in the future, and there's no God in the past. You travel alone up there. You're a self in a barren, barren place. And it seems so right to worry about what's going to happen to you. man. And people have airtight cases why they should be worrying about what's going to happen to them. And there's no, con there's no convincing them otherwise here. It's impossible to try. If you take this place to be real, there's a whole lot of reason to worry about what's going to happen to the real you. Because ultimately, the real you is going to be proven to be unreal at the time of death. So like St. Francis and these people say, then die to the self now. 
die to the self. It's in self-forgetting that you're reborn. All these indications, what are they talking about? They're talking about that sense of mind that lets that allows us to travel as an object thinking it's a subject. Once we take the mantle of being the subject, everything, everything, even no thing, is thrown into becoming an object. Yes? So people think the void, it's like a conceptual meaning, but no thing is no thing. Yeah? But once we take ourselves to be the subject, everything has to become an object. So enlightenment becomes something that you're going to get. You can like go into a market, you know? Is enlightenment in season now? Yeah? It's like incredibly insane. You don't see it, and yet if you fight it and you try to make it not an object, yes, that's also an object. Self can't get out of self. You can't dig yourself out of a concept with concepts, yeah? You can, one concept can take one out, but you don't want to replace the other. It's like Ramana used to say, if you have a thorn in your foot, yeah, and it's bothering you, yeah, you get another thorn, and then you take it out. You don't replace the first thorn with the other thorn. But if you're identified as a self, every concept begets another concept. So every thorn that's taken out is another thorn put in. Out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in. There's no escape, yeah? That's the beauty of it. The wisdom of no escape. When you entertain... I may not possibly be this. It throws all of what you made real as that into question. Yes? A living question. Not a conceptual idea, but a living question. And then you find out. And then you realize, you see, here you are. You're just falling down this hole, grabbing, 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 grabbing. And if you stop, you'll see what you're using as hands or wings, in a sense. When you stop freaking trying to grab an understanding or an idea or wanting to know or feeling assured about something, which is impossible here, when you let go of that idea, those things that your mind gave the meaning to as a hand are the wings that you fly, yeah? been in recovery and I've heard people come up to me and share to me for 10 minutes about how fucked they were. And they were totally fucked. They had no money. They had a court date they couldn't get to because they didn't have money for the chain, for the bus. They had three kids that the state took away. This and that. What do you say to someone like that? Yes? And what they want to do is learn how to manage better. The only thing you can do then is to admit you're overwhelmed. Stop, yeah? I'm fucked. Yeah? To really break the reliance on self. That incessant controlling and seeking. What is seeking but controlling, really? Yeah? You're trying to you're trying to control an outcome by seeking an advantage that you think something will give you. And then you're usually disappointed when it doesn't deliver the goods. You know? You buy all the white gear and the lovely, you know, new age music and the incense and you got your pillow, the Zen pillow, and you bought your little mobile altar with a Buddha and everything. And you think, 
Hey, this sucks, this shit. I've been meditating for a week. When's the, where's the goods? What's happening? <laughs> it's all control, isn't it? Seeking is all about control. It's all about reliance on a self. And it says undeniably in our book, what's the root of all the fear that you're in? Isn't it self-reliance? The act of relying on self. How, can, how much more can you rely on self than to take it to be real? You can't, to take it to be you, you cannot rely on anything more than that. You, I mean, that's the thing that thinks it's relying or not relying. You're so relied on it, it's entertaining if it's relying on something else or not. You're so relied on it, you have no idea that you're so deeply relying on it. First of all, there's no you relied on it. The mind, whatever you want to call it, is so reliant on that, yes? It thinks it's the one that's relying or not relying on other things. It's the thing that believes it's relying, I've got to give up this reliance on self. What is that but reliance on self? You can't get out of what you cannot possibly be in. It's impossible. You cannot get out of what you cannot possibly be in. You cannot get out of it. Yeah? That's why there's thousands of solutions here. And there'll be thousands more. Because none of them really are worth their name. Because they're not a solution. They're a temporary little speed bump to stop this runaway train of self-will. So. There is a solution. Not to you, though. That's the good news. Because if it was a solution to you, you'd fuck it up. You would. You would make it somehow something that you couldn't manage. You couldn't understand. I don't have enough understanding of this. It has nothing to do with the you. Yes? It has nothing to do with it. It's always available at all times. When the mind gets unencumbered by this incredible, incredible obsession called identifying as a self, when it can get at least start, see if, if the mind's ability is to entertain, yes? And that ability to entertain has been co-opted by a mental state called self, this idea of being a self. And now, every time the mind entertains, it entertains as a self, which severely limits and, and curtails and distorts its ability to entertain. First of all, it's cast into space and time, so it can't entertain being okay now, it can only entertain I will be okay later. How many times do you meet someone in a program meeting and they're having a bad day and you go, and they, I say, what's happening? They say, oh, I'm fucking, I'm fucked. I say, oh, yeah, yeah, but I'll be okay later. You know, I will be okay. It's always put off as a goal that they are gonna get. Selfing, selfing, selfing. So any solution in the realm of self has to have time involved in it. It has to have time, because self is time and space. It's a thing that has to be in time and space to appear. So the solution has nothing to do with time. That's why you can have the most terrible day, and if you, if you stop believing in that forecast, at that moment, anything is possible. Haven't you noticed... Haven't you seen people in recovery say they were so sure and they have tons of years of stories about the worst thing that ever happened to them? It's like an altar they built. They, they light candles, vigil candles every day. 
the worst thing. It gives him excuses for everything, not having good relationship. This hadn't happened, this and that. Yet they get in recovery, maybe a year, two years, three years after recovery, just for a slight little shift of mind out of self, they see that same event as the best thing that ever happened to them. Do you see the extreme shift that's possible? The worst thing that ever happened can seem to be the best thing that ever happened. Obviously, it's neither. As you're walking, you're giving the meaning to life. You think it's real. You think the road was real back here. As it's like it's like those video games. You're, 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 it's shot in the person or the, the little figure's action figure story. You don't ever see the action figure. You just see what it's seeing. And yet, and they say it. It's in the game and it's randomly programmed so that if it turns right, then all this other geography appears. But there's no geography here where it was looking. It's everywhere it looks and something appears. You see? It's sort of in a sense that's what's happening. As we're going around, we're giving meaning to everything. We're walking around, and we give this, all this space, and meaning that, oh, it's this place I just was at. <laughs> I know that place. That's my past. I know, I, know, I know exactly what happened to me. It's like fucking the wild, wild west. There's nothing there. And you're just walking around giving meaning. You can see what happens when suddenly you're living life, and then a big meaning is inserted in you. You get a disease or someone you know dies. Yes? Doesn't it incredibly change things? Yeah? Because now everything that's happening is in relationship to that big meaning that's been inserted in your life. Everything. The mind is busy sewing, 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 sewing. It's stitching new, new stories, yes? On its little quilt of life. Yeah. It doesn't mean the thing isn't so here. It is so here, let's say, the body getting attacked. But watch how busy the mind is making something out of it. It's busy, busy, busy making a whole new set of uniforms for you to just put yourself in. Yeah. There is a solution. What I found, it wasn't about me getting better. That failed, man. It didn't work for me. And I gave it a good shot. I practiced a lot of stuff. It just didn't work. Fundamentally, nothing happened. I mean, I had tons of experiences, but anyone does here. This place is a place of experiences, yeah? But I had no clue what was going on. And then, one day, somehow, something started to seep into my head, and it changed everything. And how do I know that? Because I've seen how it happened. I've traveled the last 12 years or whatever, yeah? It's only by the fruit that I even have an idea of that tree, because there's no tree. There's just a... What I took to be so real and so separate and so many different things is really a vacant lot, in a way. All it is is space. Space appearing... And then whatever appears in it disappears, but no, there's no less space or more space by the appearance or disappearance in it, yeah? The space doesn't get lighter when a person dies, nor does it get heavier when a person's born. It's just the same space. Millions and zillions of things arise in it, and then they depart, because their nature here is to come and go, just like this body. We see it in a bug, and it's pretty easy to see, 
a bug gets born at 8 in the morning and it's dead by 3 in the afternoon. It's procreated, it ate once maybe. Maybe it shit once, who knows? Yeah? Procreated, that was it. It just drops, dies. And so you go, wow, but you think yours is different. All it is is a degree of time. The same thing happened with you. You're going to shit, you procreated, right? You ate. It's going to end. Maybe you'll have some other, you know, I don't think flies have vigils for other flies, but for us maybe they'll be a little more entailed, but you won't know anyone's at your funeral anyway, right? Would you? This, this little voice is like a little voice box on a doll. I used to work at this, uh, I used to work at this sex shop when I was younger called the Pink Pussycat Boutique <laughs> in Orlando. I mean, in, uh, in uh, Miami Beach, actually Coconut Grove, and they had a store in Fort Lauderdale and in New York City, actually, Lower West Side. And I used to sell everything there, you know, and I'll let your imaginations go with that. But there was this one product, we used to sell these dolls, blow-up dolls, and they'd have like, like a red wig and a blonde wig and a black wig, and they'd have like three orifices, you know, three holes, and people would you know, buy these things, and who knows what they were doing with them, you know? And I was pretty hard, you know, because I'd look at the person when they were buying it, and they usually give me a story why they'd be buying it. Oh, I'm having a bachelor's party. I'm going, yeah, sure. Yeah, all right. You know what I mean? Jesus, bro. So then, that was, that was, you know, I thought that that would be it, but then they got a new and improved model, and that one I couldn't sell. I refused to sell it. I had a big to-do with the boss. I said, I, I I've hit my limit. I can't sell this in good. I can't, I can't do it. And it was like a, the three state, you know, the blonde, this and that. But they had a voice box now on it. And you pulled this little, you know, with the circle, with the cord, and it would say something. It would have a recorded voices. It had like five different things. It says, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm a real girl. It was, it was just too much. And I just, I just, my whole, it just was too much for me. What was I talking about? Whatever. What was I talking about that for? Huh? Oh, the voice box. So this, I, this voice box that you think is you talking about your life, it's part and parcel of the doll, yeah? When the doll ceases, the voice box ceases. There's not going to be any like uh, editorial about your life delivered by your voice. <laughs> it's over. I mean, when this goes, what you think is a separate channel, a soul or something like that, shuts down with the body. It's bye-bye. Yeah? And if this is the only way you know this place, then you, when it's over, there'll be no place ever to have known. It was like this has never happened. That's the sense of freedom in a way. A freedom that you had like when you were a kid because you didn't know any different. When you were a kid and you weren't in an abusive situation, you weren't really thinking, this was an incredible state I'm in. It was just fun, yeah? You didn't think like, oh, i got to meditate to improve it or I should do some workshops, how to improve my childhood attitude. No, because everything was pretty open. So there was just a... There was nothing to, uh, like, 
have gratitude about because you were grateful. Your life was, yeah? That's what it's sort of like. There's no narrator saying, oh, I'm really clear. <laughs> I've really got something now. No. And actually, sometimes when phenomena wants to bring about a real big experience, you've got, you just stay right where you are in this common place. Because this, to me, is the depth of the whole message, is to be totally okay here. Because my whole life, I wanted to get out of here. The last place I wanted to be was here. Yeah? And every time I try to make things that happen here unreal, I made them as real as real can be. Because my whole life was dictated by staying away from those situations. Yeah? Avoiding them at all costs. And as I was saying, no, I never want to feel that, I just shut down. And then one day it hit me, I'm going to let this shit be as real as it wants to be, finally. And when I did, it showed me its real nature, which is it's unreal. I was giving it all the meaning it had. Yeah? That, that fear of being disappointed was a giant weather front in my life. That fear of being rejected was like a giant weather front. It wasn't just a storm, it was like a weather front, like New York in the winter, where it's just gray for months and months on end. Yeah? That's what it was like. Because I was, by my way, by my relationship with it, this being real, with the belief it could make that unreal, made that as real as it could be. Yeah? And it had real effects on what wasn't real. But it only takes one moment when you recognize something, it's a principle, yes? Principle overrides circumstances and situations. And this, this is always and always and always what is. It's so far beyond the principle, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Everything comes and goes in its content. It is the context. Yeah. And to me, it translates as a sense of presence here. An ease and comfort in your own skin. Finally. Yeah. So if you have any plans, you wear them loosely. Yeah. Some days I have a plan. If it's shown not to be going that way, it's just get off that dead horse and you jump on another horse. Yeah. So you just go where how the flow is going. Yeah. You become flexible. I always think it's the message that heats me up, but it's the heater. I got so many textures. <laughs> so, so you see the little part I'm saying about that? There's an epiphany. It becomes an object to you, and then you, it's like a vulture will walk around it, picking, you know, trying to get a little meat here and a little meat there, and yet it's very, very possessive of it. If you try to go to its epiphany and talk about your epiphany or my epiphany is better. Very, 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 very. That's the subject-object dilemma, yes? Taking yourself to be a subject. Everything becomes an object to you. That's the, that's the source of dualism, yeah? Subject, subjectivity is forgotten. An object which is like the telescope subjectivity is seemingly, it's not doing this because there's nothing that's moving through, but in seemingly it's moving through, gets claimed, 
by the mind, the mental process, and now it becomes subjective. Yeah? This takes the role of being the subjectivity. Yeah? This becomes the seeing, the hearing, the feeler, the taster. So all verbs now get preceded by a noun. Yeah? Me. I am. I am. No, all there is is presence. All there is is awareness. There is no I am. As soon as I am, the sense, then the next thing is I am a body. And then the story unfolds in time and space about just that, what it's like to be a body. I don't know, I always like to take that approach of seeing what we're not, and if you see what you're not, that's why it's being what you are. I think that's why it's happening, actually. Because being what you are, you would never know, have any idea of what you are, unless you had something to compare it with. So here we have what we're not, yeah? So by seeing what we're, just like when someone says they realize they're not a body, they had to believe there was a body for that realization to occur, yes? So a great joy in this life is when you realize you're not a body for many, you know, for many minds. It's a pretty nice experience, not an experience, whatever. But when there's a realization I'm not a body, it's a pretty cool, yeah? But without being a body, thinking you were a body, that would never come to pass, yeah? You couldn't have that yet. So in a sense, by realizing what you're not is the closest you can in that way become what you are here, yeah? Yeah? fish in the water. Yes, well the water thing, the fish doesn't even know anything about the water, does it? Until it's taken out of it. Then it flips out. Have you noticed? Have you ever seen a fish on the deck of a boat? It's flipping out. <laughs> a second before it wasn't flipping out when it was in the water. But taken out of that element it flips out. But it has no appreciation. It doesn't know it's wet, does it? Fish. We have the ability here to be aware of what you can't know. We can become aware of it. We can have a, an intimation of it. We can know, like a fish, but we can know the water. Yeah? Not just what appears in the water, not just the shells and the, and the seaweed, but we can have an intimation of the water. And hopefully, if the subjectivity of being a fish is dropped, you are that water that's being intimated. Yeah? Maybe seemingly appearing as a fish, but what's that but the water? Yeah. If everything comes from the context and everything is appearing in the context, it must be context, actually, in its essence, yeah? Not in its appearance. It's not context as a body in the appearance, but the essence is context, yeah? 